the CGA Tour, a podcast unlike any other. Now your host, Calvin Alexander. Welcome back to the latest episode of the CGA Tour podcast. As always here, I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander. In this episode of the podcast, I am rejoined by two recurring guests now, um, Dakota Gregory's second appearance on the podcast, and of course, Jay Carlson here, as always. I, I would ask you guys, how's it going? How are we doing? I think we all know how the football game went. Basketball, hey, you know what? One, one, two games this weekend, so we'll take that. But then again, probably should have won those games from looks like a bit. So, basketball is UConn this week on Thursday, but more or less we're here to talk about football. Gundy, coaching, West Virginia game, etc. So good, I'll, I'll ask you, from someone who did not watch the game in person, um, stay dry and uh, did not join the, I don't know, 30,000 people, I'm going to say, 40,000, because I'm going to be trying to be nice. But it was a sellout. They said it was a sellout. Actually, they said it was even 52,000 people, so they didn't even say it was a sellout. But either way, I mean, as much jokes as I want to make here. What are your thoughts like on the game and at least how that part of it went with Rangel starting, etc.? I did not blow the three dollars to go watch that game in the rain. No, I did not. But yeah. oh man, I I can't imagine being in your position, though, Calvin, having to watch that in the rain um, on my comfy couch. It was already miserable enough, so I can't imagine paying to be there uh, while it rained on me because um, it was at least I could walk away every once in a while um, and find something else to do. Uh, but no, that was it was miserable. That last fourth quarter. I think because it's recent, I want to be like, that's the most miserable I've been during an OSU game. But then, like, maybe I just tried to block last week's Bedlam game and the uh, Kansas State game out of my mind. That and I took a nap during the Kansas State game to try to avoid life. Um, but, no, that was that was one of the most miserable times. I think we lost Jake. Yeah, I'll invite him back here. I, I can't remember a, um, a, a worse – game to watch in person just just from the sheer fact that the game itself was not a lot of fun to watch because we lost it didn't show a lot of promise offensively or defensively for the most part although the defense did only allow i mean a certain amount of points right like i can't be that mad about the defense necessarily but then again it is west virginia's offense so i'm kind of caught in the middle there not sure how much i can count one against the other but I'll say this. Any game I can go watch with my dad and youngest brother while youngest brother still lives in Oklahoma City and still go with my dad, I'll, I'll take. Even if I did spend ten seventy five on the ticket, you know, at the end of the day, like, I'll go to an OSU game. But besides the weather part of it, it the game part of it was just not enjoyable. It, it was just, like you said, it was it was not thrilling. It didn't give me a lot of hope for next season either. Like, Rangel's a couple of throws that he had just seemed very planned. Brain Johnson... I think caught four of 11 targets or something at seven drops in the game. Who's like the senior guy on his senior day. You would figure would catch a couple of passes that not every single pass was perfectly thrown to him, but some hit him in the hands and he still couldn't come down with it. So there's just the, the defensive guys just didn't step up either that I thought like would like, I thought Colin Oliver would have like six sacks or something just crazy. And we'd really be able to get their offensive line or something. And that's how we'd try to win, just because it was going to be such a sloppy game from the weather output. But Ollie Gordon's the bright spot of the game. I'll say it that way. The rest of it, I'm not 
Not sure I'm too hopeful for next season, unfortunately. Jake, what do you, what are your thoughts on the game? Um, confused, I guess. Probably confused is the best word that I can use. Um, I just, I I thought we could have won pretty easily, even without Spencer playing. Um. It, it reminded me of similar conditions. I don't know if you watched the West Virginia-Oklahoma game um, that was up in Morgantown, but it was pretty similar conditions to that where the weather was clearly playing a factor and we were aware it was going to play a factor in the game. Um, but a lo- lot of drops. I'm sorry, I don't know if you guys mentioned that. A lot of drops. Um, and then it just seems like we just elected to stop running the ball, which was very odd to me because I know we talked about we talked about it a little bit in our group text where it was just kind of like, why are we throwing the ball 42 times if the running game is now all of a sudden working? And not only are we throwing it, we're also throwing it deep. So on fourth and short. It, on fourth and short, yeah, which I mean – Call me if you've seen that before, but we have. Like, this isn't, you know, it's nothing new. That's That's been in the Oklahoma State playbook for the last 10 years. Um, but it was just, it was a bad way for the seniors to go out. It was a really, really bad way for them to go out. And I, it's a shame that a lot of it probably wasn't their fault. Well, on, the, on that note, we have been running the ball well all season, right? So right. I, I kind of get the – at least I, – I mean, I don't want to say that. I get trying to throw the ball more, especially in the mm-hmm. first two series for, like, the scripted plays just because, okay, if you're not having success running the ball, you got to try to do something different. West Virginia's defense is, like – and this is after the 12th game of the season, so after our game, West Virginia allows, like, 149 yards a game rushing, which is ha- – which is basically middle of the whole entire conference. I mean, Iowa State allows the least amount, 107. Kansas allows the most at 193. So be that for what it may. We, on the other hand, as a team, have ran for 131 yards a game on average this whole season. So I get that idea. I really do. But later on, when it's only raining more and it seems like we're not having success passing, I kind of go, well, maybe let's not keep doing what's broke and let's try to run the ball more, especially with Ollie Gordon. I mean, Jaden Nixon went down the post game pressure from Gundy was okay. That's then we switched to have Ollie Gordon and more is kind of rotate the third guy in. All right, cool. But there are several things through the game that we had better in total. I mean, total yards. We had more yards passing yards. We, I mean, have a hundred more passing yards than they do. Rushing, they have 70 more than us. So, you know, the yardage in the whole game is about even, right? But, like, we won the first downs. I mean, it's just we ran 20 more plays than they did. There's just several stats here from it where it's like, all right, we had four fewer penalties. We had one fumble. They had one interception. Like, the time possession was about even, but we had more of it. There's just so many things from this game where you look at the box score and you go, well, it should have been very, very close. And if Nothing but that. It should have been OSU one wins, but 
really, I mean, they had a couple big running plays, and that was the whole deal. And we couldn't stop them gashing us up the middle. But then again, I don't know what what West Virginia scored the most in the entire season, but like, I feel like 24 points isn't a ton of points either, and we should just be able to score more. I miss the, oh, we're going to score 48 on you type of deal, right? So th- this was my question, and I know Dakota and I have brought it up a couple times. Why is Ollie Gordon our third string running back? <laughs> I mean, it, am I missing something? Because I saw people say they want to save his red shirt. It's gone. He played, what, four games, right? Or do they have like a snap count on for running backs, which, I mean, they probably should. But, um, you know, I, I don't – like him and Nixon are so different that it didn't make sense why they were treated so separately. Like they should almost be 1A, 1B because they don't necessarily run the same. Like Ollie Gordon is like bruiser between the tackles and Nixon Nixon can kind of do stuff on the outside a little bit faster. So I don't understand why we use those two guys separately when it could have been very effective to use them at the same time. Does anybody – I mean – are you guys as equally confused about that as I am? <laughs> <laughs> or we just don't use either of them. Let's go the, the slow guy and just keep running it for a yard at the middle. And I think the craziest thing, Jake, is are you telling me we, we see Ollie Gordon play well? Are you telling me four-star guys have talent? Is that what you're telling me? Maybe. I don't know. What in the world? Who would have thought? Who would have thought guys with talent out of high school would still be good in college? What a crazy concept. I mean, I, I'm speechless. Off. I don't know. I think the running game was the most infuriating part, not necessarily how it was Saturday, but comparing like the whole season of you had Ollie Gordon all season, and we've seen flashes of him. And like Jake, Jake and I have been talking about all season, and they finally do it, and he 136 yards, eight yards of carry. And you're like, you, he's been on the team all season. And all season, you hear, you heard him say, well, we don't have a running game. Well, we don't have a running game. Well, we don't have a running game. Well, you had a four-star guy this whole time. You finally feeding the ball. Um, and he does well. And then uh, um, we have all seen where complained about them relying too much on this non-existent running game. And then finally, on the day it's pouring down rain, you have a freshman starting at quarterback at his second start. And your running game's working. It's a terrible run defense. And then you throw the ball 42 times and get away from the run game. That's what like blows my mind on the perfect conditions to throw the ball. The worst days are on the ball. They still continue to try to run the ball up the middle and literally on the game that where we'd be like, okay, this makes sense to just keep trying to run the ball. We get it. It makes sense. That's when they're like, we're going to keep trying to chunk it deep. Like that's what blows my mind. Like Marshall Scott had tweeted something about like, in the, he was in a game of condition and they threw the ball 25 times like a junior Mason Rudolph and a freshman Garrett Rangel throws it 42 times I mean it that's what confused me the most is not that oh running game is doing well it's yeah that's that's what threw me off the most I mean 42 times is egregious anyways like I, I just feel like that's a lot to throw the ball even when it's not raining, like 42 times is 
a pretty good amount. Any, I would say anything over 40, you're, you're pushing like pretty high numbers. And I, our receivers clearly couldn't catch. What was that? Marshall tweeted out that statistic. Braden Johnson had 11 targets and caught four of them. <laughs> and he yeah. had at least, he had at least three drops that I saw. Like, I, you want I to mean, to our blame party? Is that, I mean, well, we're, the, we're, the, just, we're putting on the T right now. Well, the first, the first two drives of the game, like I've said, it makes sense to try to pass it, right? Like, at least if we're not sure. having, you know, acceptable here. Right. But this is the deal. The first play of the game that we had, I mean, first offensive play of the game we have is compassively deep down the left for 21 yards to Brennan Presley. First down. Awesome play, right? Like, no one's going to disagree. Great. Ringel's looking good, etc. The next two plays, our pass is complete short to the right side for Braden Johnson. All right, once for two yards, once for nine yards. Then there's an incomplete short pass to the right to Braden Johnson on third and three, and we punt. Okay, not great, but we've targeted now Braden Johnson three straight times. Okay, maybe they caught on on the third time in a row. I don't know. Just seems weird. Um... I'm I'm not sure what the deal is. Like there's there's so many things where I just don't West Virginia has you know, kind of a similar thing where they have a bunch of plays in a row. I mean not they have much more plays in a row than we do, but like it's just our offensive line isn't great. We know this. So if we're not going to try to run the ball and we just try to complete a bunch of short passes to kind of get Ringel in rhythm or whatever it is and really go down and score, of course, right? Then I love that idea. But when it starts working, and then all of a sudden I'm looking here for like the first mention of Ollie Gordon on the play-by-play, and I think it's in the second half. It's just a bizarre... It's bizarre he didn't play earlier on in the game, right? Like, no one's disagreeing with me there. Right. Yeah, it... I mean, I, I, I don't. Again, we don't know why he hasn't played all year. Um, but I, that's something that needs to be addressed because you can't tell us that the other two guys ahead of him are better. Like it, every time we've seen Ollie Gordon play, he's been better than the other two guys getting carries. Now, don't get me wrong, like, um. Nixon's had some good carries, some good games. I don't know if Dominic Richardson has had a good game this year. And all, like, just to be honest, because he just hasn't. So I don't, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to me why you just don't give the other guys the reins. You know, it, it doesn't make very much sense to me. Yeah, Ollie Gordon well, comes in with two. Game had... Well, Ollie Gordon comes in with two minutes and eighteen seconds. Yeah, he scored three touchdowns and he had twenty-four yards. It, it's it's tough. Like, there's not a good explanation for why he comes in with two minutes and eighteen seconds left at going into half, and then we score a field goal. Um, I think I'm right here. Yeah, we score a field goal, basically right before half. Yeah, I mean, it makes it 10-7. We're up going into halftime. 
It's what you would hope for, especially in these conditions with how everything was going earlier on in the game. And then basically that's the first the first time Ollie Gordon touched the ball, he picks up eight yards, like rushes up the middle. And we how many times have all three of us seen a rush up the middle for us do nothing every time? It's like, oh, okay, all right. Well, we're kind of throwing it in here. It's third and eighteen. We're just gonna run up the middle, be conservative, etc. We run up the middle and all of a sudden, oh my gosh, it works. Scoring gets eight yards. And then the next time he sees the ball is unfortunately not the second drive of you know, not the first drive of the second half either. Um, it's the second drive of the second half is when he comes in with nine minutes and forty six seconds left. And we we know all this information. He has almost 150 rushing yards in the game. Like would want him in more often, you would think. Well, let me ask you guys this. As far as like the play calling, I think we're all in agreement. It wasn't great. But what changes do we want to see this offseason? Like, to go to Oski first, what changes do you want to see the Oklahoma State team make this offseason? And then we later on can get can get into if we think it's possible or not. But what do you, what do you want to see happen first? Oh, nothing's going to happen. That's the thing is we're talking about change. Nothing is going to change. It's the frustrating part. I think we're Jake and I have already brought it up before. We're true. Um, I almost, if I could have found a piece of paper, like I told you guys, we just moved, so I can't find anything. I wanted to be like hashtag move behind me because uh, I think that's what uh, we need to do. Um, of course, OSU is never going to get rid of um, Mike, but um, I think the perfect situation because I know. Jake and I have people on Twitter coming after us all the time because um, we do not like Savior Gundy. But um, look at TCU, right? Look what Gary Patterson did for that program. They were literally nothing. Then they go to the Mountain West. Then they go to the Big 12. They It took one. It took him three years to win the Big 12 championship. Um, still, he matched Gundy within three years. Um, so he did so much more for that program in his 21 years, whatever it was there. Um, and finally, I'm sure it was the same thing where he had the TCU fans who've been TCU fans since 19, whatever they've been seeing. And they're like, we were terrible. We were able to think about those days. And we can give twins all the time. And they're like, yeah, but he took us over that hump. Right, there's another hump to get over now, and it's one year later, and they're maybe in a loss away from still getting into the college football playoff. Like Oklahoma State has never done. Um, and so, so I think the, the counter argument against people being like, well. Well, what, what, who are you going to get? How it can only get worse. Like, it, no, it can get better. TCU is proof of that. Um, with I would believe a more stable program, and it, I mean, I know they're in the Fort Worth area, but I would assume it's still easier to recruit Oklahoma State than TCU if you want to talk brand and all that. Yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree. I, yeah, I. TCU to me is just TCU. It's not – they're good. They have some really good years, and they – most of the time they're – I don't want to say middling, but I guess they probably are in our realm 
of of programs, but I, yeah, it, it, it's bizarre to me that people are able to just completely ignore the fact that they fired Gary Patterson and then be like, well, if we got rid of Mike Gundy, I don't know who he would get. Like, there's just no other coaches. There's nobody else out there. It's it's incredibly lazy to think that way because there are plenty of good coaches. I mean, I we, we threw some names around the other day, and I was thinking about them. I mean, Wisconsin just got Luke Fickle. Like, that's the dude that was linked to Ohio State. Not Wisconsin. If Wisconsin can get Luke Fickle, who can we get? Because where would you rather go coach? Other than the fact that, you know, the Big Ten West is a joke. I mean, I don't know. Would you rather coach at Wisconsin or Oklahoma State? It'd seem Oklahoma State. But I know I'm really biased in this. Like, I can't go without saying that. I know I'm super biased when I say that. Like, I'd rather go go, go to Oklahoma State. I'll ask the the friends I have and coworkers I have who are not, like, from Oklahoma and not, granted, so I went to the same college. So, ask them a little bit, too, and kind of grab their other opinions. Jake and Dakota, I'm curious what you guys think, though. What, do you think, at the end of the day, it'd be easier to coach and recruit in Wisco- for Wisconsin or for Oklahoma State? A state school versus a non-state school, too. I mean, I I think it's probably easier if you actually tried to get people to come to OSU because with Wisconsin, like, we, we're, we're still able to get some guys that maybe don't want to go to um, – Texas or Oklahoma, right? Like, because realistically, those are the programs we're competing with. With Wisconsin, they've kind of got some, a bunch of different groups of areas that they have to compete with, whereas us, it's just kind of like, oh, you get Texas. But Texas has so many players. Wisconsin still has to come down and get guys from down here, or not down here, not where I am presently, but, you know, in Texas, like they still have to go to those areas to get players. They, you know, they're able to fill a lot of their lineman spots, for example, with, with some of those other guys, but yeah, it's, you know, it's just, I, I think Oklahoma state is better outside of the fact that it's probably easier to win at Wisconsin because of your schedule. But I, I, I agree. I agree. I think with Matt Rule going to Nebraska, it doesn't make things easier. Yeah, I just – I don't think Nebraska will be good anytime soon. But then again, I didn't so, think Baylor would be good anytime soon when he took over right. too. So that, that's fair because he came in after the Art Bryles thing, you know, and mm-hmm. whole scandal with Baylor, and then all of a sudden Baylor was good. I remember recording podcasts with you and going, well, you know, it won't be good for a while. Baylor because they had all of those recruiting violations and stuff where it's like, Oh, okay. They'll get handed almost the death penalty, et cetera, et cetera. I forgot what happened with that. I forgot exactly how that badly penalized they got. I don't think it was that bad comparatively to what we thought it was going to be, 
But with all that being said, they've won the Big 12 more times than we have in the same many years since Gundy's been a head coach, right? So, like, that sucks. Yeah. I mean, um, I just I, – I think there are names out there that we could look to. You know, the coordinator names. Um, but, I mean, do you think Wisconsin ever in a million years – like last year, do you think Wisconsin fans are sitting there going, hey, you know, someone rains down from the heavens and goes, hey, Wisconsin, you guys are going to suck this year and you're going to fire your coach. But next year you'll get Luke Fickle. They tell you you're a liar. Yeah, they would. They would. They, would. they wouldn't believe it. No. They, they, they wouldn't. You're right. And so I, I just kind of look at it from that sense because it's like it it's felt like for a while that, you know, with the exception of last year that we've kind of just been punching below our weight where it's like, eh, probably, you know, the, the, the whole thing was always the winning culture. And I just don't know if we have that right now. I, I agree. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm not sure if we do. I would love to say we do. Would love to be super excited about every single year and hey, we're we're this team and you know, next year's going to be awesome, etc. I like our wide receiver group coming in next year. I definitely like our running back group and Jay Nixon, Ollie Gordon, offensive mm-hmm. line. I couldn't tell you either way. I wish I could. But quarterback is the one thing where I'm very curious to see how we're going to be next year. I know Rangel was coming in as a true freshman and can't really think too much of this year if I want to be helpful for next year. But at the same point, you got to look at what the film is and versus Mason, very often a similar type of situation. Granted, not as many games played or maybe almost as many. It looks a lot worse. It just does. So yeah. it's it's tough, right? Tough to get excited for yeah. next year. I mean, Dakota, outside of the names that we kind of threw around. I mean, I, there was one guy that I saw thrown around, um, Ryan Walters, who is the defensive coordinator from Illinois. He, I mean, he's like 30 something, but Illinois has, you know, basically us and Illinois swap defenses versus last year and this year where they have the top five defense and we have a bad one. Um, just kidding. They usually have a pretty good defense, but like that's a name that would be thrown around that. I mean, he honestly could get a head coaching job this year. Anyways. Um, is there anyone that like you would really key in on to take over the program if possible? It would definitely have to be a young guy, right? I mean, I guess if you want to, If you want to be risky, Penn State want to be that risky on, hey, let's go in on like a young Lincoln Riley type guy and hope something happens. Um, but then like like we were talking about the Tulane guy, and he's like 109 years old. So obviously you don't want someone um, that old. But, I mean, you do you think of big names, right? You have Todd Munkin out there. Um, would Dana ever, Holgerson ever be in the state? 
I have no idea. He's getting a lot of money there. For some reason, he really wants to stay there. Um, and I mean, we've mentioned Zach Robinson, but I don't know if he's a head coach type of guy yet. But theoretically, he's almost like if you want to take a risk on a young guy who could help you long term, um, if you get Zach Robinson at Oklahoma State and he finds success, yes, we're hating on Indy now. Now, risk on a young former quarterback of yours that turned out all right. And so I guess you want to take a risk on a younger guy. But, no, I think there's lots of names out there, too. One of the names I've thrown around a couple times that have been thrown around um, a lot more in four or five years was Seth Luttrell. Um, His name came up for the Tulsa job. I don't. I think he would be dumb to take that job to leave UNT. Um, he's at North Texas right now to leave UNT for a Tulsa. Um, just because he's in Denton, he's in the DFW area, um, he's got a lot of support there. Um, he, If you go to Tulsa, I think they pay you in like Coney Islander coupons and like a check every once in a while. Um, I cover to you, you walk around, there's literally like vacant secretary desks around the athletic department because they had to let some people go. So I doubt their football coach is making much. Um, but Seth Luttrell is a guy, he's from Muskogee, which is not too far from um, Stillwater. And we know the area. He's playing for a conference championship this weekend. Um, he's, I mean, he's on there for a couple of years. They had guys like Mason Fine throwing the ball around. Uh, Bean, who came in at KU, he was a backup quarterback at UNT and transferred to Kansas. I mean, the dude can produce talent. He knows what to do. Um, he's recruited real good talent to North Texas. Um, I mean, if you can recruit talent to North Texas, I imagine you can recruit talent to play in the Big 12 in Stillwater. Um, but, no, I think when people are, like, worried some about replacing Gundy, I think there's more options than they realize. Like, there's not like – I mean, there are football coaches out there um, that could do more, even if it's just – maybe he's not as good a coach, but maybe it's just a change of scenery is what's needed in Stillwater to get over that hump. Um, or just a guy willing to look at the transfer portal and better recruits could help as well. Yeah, that's that's one of the big kickers for me. I, I just think we kind of – it. there just almost needs to be a pretty smooth passing of the torch transition. That's that's kind of how I feel about it. Like, I think we do just need that change of scenery. Um, I also saw – so there were two things. Um, Derek Mason's name came up for the Stanford job. Um, and then – Matt Rule, the AD at Nebraska, said that Matt Rule was his 1A. And someone said, well, you probably shouldn't have said that because now everyone's going to ask you what your 1B is. Do you think there was any chance that Nebraska called Mike Gundy? No, I don't think so. Do, do, is that many schools even checking in on Gundy anymore at this point? But who knows? Yeah, I don't. They just they, they'll just get teased, teased in a new contract. Well, besides wanting Gundy yes. gone, which he says, "Take I me think- for a date, and I'm going to go back to my ex I've been with forever." <laughs> Well, besides wanting Gundy gone, which I think all three of us agree is just not going to happen, or even talking about, hey, this guy should replace him, et cetera, what, 
I mean, do we think that we can get a transfer quarterback in? Do we think that's possible at all? I mean, what changes are are right? Because Gundy's been with the program this long. Injuries were a huge factor for this season. That's what's going to fall down at the end of the day. And as much as like some what looks to be kind of fake-ish Twitter accounts want to tweet out massive changes are coming. <laughs> I don't I don't see it. Zach Robinson is the passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach. The last Rams quarterback coach was Zach Taylor, who, funny enough, coached against Sean McVay and the Rams in the Super Bowl last year, right? So Zach Robinson is, is doing good with a good team. He might get picked off for an NFL job if the Rams, of course, Matt Stafford were actually doing a little bit better. I mean, they've definitely had a slump and Stafford's been injured. Point being is that some NFL team could say, hey, Robinson's our guy. So it's not out of the way, out of the realm possibility to say, oh, Robinson could come to Oklahoma State and do good. The question more or less in my mind is what he want to, right? Maybe he's a sights on an NFL job or something when the previous guy who has his current position is an NFL head coach. All that being said here, do we think do we think that Casey Dunn leaves or is demoted or moves to some other job? Do we think that we get a transfer quarterback in? Do you think Derek Mason leaves or has some position change at all either? I'll let you go first, Dakota. I'll let you answer this one. <laughs> we are quarterback, but the guy in charge of that won't. He's not a big transfer portal guy. Um, so I think Rain Gale is spending court, um, or heaven forbid, we got to see Gunnar Gundy throw it for 12 games next season. Um, so I think it's going to be the whole, well, we develop talent here and Rain Gale is going to be the starter next year. If Sanders isn't back and they're not going to, maybe if they do get a transfer, it's going to be a type of guy who's still got a couple years elderly and he's a backup and you know we've seen it before he's here a couple years and he's gone again because he's like well they're not going to use me because i'm a transfer guy um but don't worry too much guys because there is help on the way we do have the let me look my uh, the 70th best recruiting class coming in so don't worry um it can only go up from here right yeah i yeah the cha- the changes that I would like to see made, whether whether or not they are made, I think there are changes that do need to be made. Um, Calvin and I kind of spun this idea around a little bit. Um, I think Casey Dunn stays, but I wouldn't mind, more so for his sake, just asking him if he would be willing to go back to his old role. Um back to the associate head coach and wide receivers coach. I see a lot of idiots online say that they want to get a new wide receivers coach like Des Bryant or Rashawn Woods or whatever. And I'm like, are we just all of a sudden going to get Des Bryant? Like, I don't, can anybody come up with any other name that has never attended Oklahoma state university? That's my first question. My second question. If Calvin and I also had this conversation. If Rashawn Woods wanted to be at Oklahoma State, would he be there already?
And to go to you, what do you, what do you think there? Do you think if Rashawn Woods wanted to be at Oklahoma State, do you think he would be at Oklahoma State coaching? Because I know he's currently a high school coach. Yeah, I mean, I would assume so. But then you think about when he got into coaching, though, um, the role that he would have was pretty sealed up by Casey Dunn. Maybe once he get the gig that he has, he's like, well, I'm pretty content here. Um, I'll stay here. Um, so maybe the opportunity where they really could have got Rashawn Woods, like you said, they could have already, but where are you going to put him? When you had Casey Dunn at receivers coach, if you weren't going to elevate him or promote him to offensive coordinator at the time, there was nothing else you're going to do. Um, I also don't think, even as like me personally, if I get voted by they're like, hey, at this job, but you're still about to have a bad job. Um, I think I'm going to go ahead and be like, yeah, I'm going to do the better job somewhere else. Um, so I don't know that if we, I think it's either Dunn's gone or he's still offensive coordinator. I don't know that um, you bump a guy back down to receivers coach and he's like complacent with it. Um, but I mean, if that happens and I guess you have a, an opening for Sean Woods, if he wants it. Um, but no, I, I guess after all that rambling, I would say, yeah, I think if Rashawn Woods is going to be here, he'd probably already be here by now. I also never see Des Bryant coaching college football. That actually kind of terrifies <laughs> me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. it Just if, if anybody is interested, just go look at some of the takes thrown around online because they are, they are absolutely bizarre. At no point have we wanted to lose Casey Dunn as our wider series coach. <laughs> None. <laughs> um, I, I do, I, I mull, I'm mulling, M-U-L-L-I-N-G, mulling, if you can't understand me. Uh, between a new offensive coordinator and not. Because, so Marcus Arroyo also is not returning back to UNLV. Unsure if you guys saw that one. Um, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I saw. Uh, what is it, McNamara or the other one, whichever yeah, one? Cade, Cade McNamara entered the transfer. Point. Yeah, that kid. That kid sucks. Um, I don't want him at all. But he's probably better than what we have. I mean, I. All he did at Michigan was turn around and hand the ball off. So if he wants to come do that here, be my guest. Because, you know, dadgummit, we're going to try it only when it's not working. But but why not? I mean, the guy started for a Michigan team that, you know, I know hasn't with him gone to the cultural playoffs and what seems like to be a top four team on Tuesday and basically – Basically, the second team overall, and you know, they did with good. him last year. He was which, the starter last year, which is kind of gets to the point here of if Cade's not the greatest quarterback on top four team, but he could be the best quarterback available in the transfer portal. You go get what's available. You, you right? You don't. I'm, I'm with so you. They, I don't think he's the greatest thing ever. But then again, like all right, if Quinn Ewers transfers, becomes available, right? Like he can't. He has to sit out a year. If he does transfer, just because of the whole he transferred from Ohio State to Texas thing, but 
would you rather have Cade McNamara or Quinn Ewers? Right? Like, there's just a, a weird when guys transfer, I, they transfer for a reason. They don't necessarily transfer like like Bo Nix. Yeah. I would never have thought, oh, let's go get Bo Nix. He'll be better than Spencer Sanders, statistically speaking, this year when he left Auburn for Oregon. Now, maybe someone could influence me in a way to go, oh, with an Oregon offense, he'd be a little bit better or comparative. But you know, I mean, I the the only reason I worry is because there's all like I was watching the Washington Washington State game this weekend, and their quarterback was just tearing it up. Washington State was, and I was like, who the hell is this guy? I had no idea who he was. And he transferred from Incarnate Word. And then you've got Washington's quarterback, who's from Indiana. So I always think there is going to be guys, and we don't just have to go get you know the next biggest guy. I'm pretty sure that Cade McNamara is always, already linked to Wisconsin, which is perfect for him because he can just turn around and hand the ball off. Um, you know, like that's that's... I, but there, I mean, there has to be somebody that we can go take a flyer on. There has to be because, but it's also, this is my other thing. Do we need a quarterback? Yeah. But do we need it more for depth or is this the guy that's going to start? Because I don't know if this team next year, even with Spencer Sanders is good enough to do any better than we are this year. That that's kind of my question. Would I rather just let Rangel develop with the, you know, with all the receivers and the running backs that are going to be around him, and let the defense figure it out, or do we just go get an old guy who's going to come in there for one year and be with all of them, and then just to leave and have Rangel do it all over? You know, that that's kind of my thing with it. Where, like, well, we need a quarterback, but I don't know. And I'm sure we'll get a lot of answers here in a couple of weeks. I don't know what the future of the team is in general. What, but what do you? I think, but I think we're pretty certain it's going to happen. Like we're going to see Gundy back next year. Maybe yep. Casey ends up being the co-offensive coordinator with somebody. But if anything happens, that's the only thing I can really see happening, right? Maybe Mason get a transfer. Lightly. Mason might leave. We might get a transfer quarterback in, but none of us see Gundy leaving. Which at the end of the day, I, I mean, it's who we are as a team, right? Like it's 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 Gundy, and then after that, you kind of go, okay, all right. Well, I'm I'm more mean from a personnel standpoint. I don't know what the team's going to mm-hmm. look like next year, just because I don't know who's going to come back and who's not. You know, because I mean, if if you're if you're Ollie Gordon and Colin Oliver, I'm taking calls. I hope not, but I don't know why they wouldn't. Right? Like I'm, I'm with you there. If, if I, I'm Mason Cobb, I'm taking calls. Like you know that that's just. I'm just being honest. I'm telling you what I would do if I were them, and that's, that's, that's why fair. I'm like, do we just let Wrangle develop and let him ha- let us be crappy for a year? And then he'll come in as a junior with everybody else around him as a junior as well and and go. That the thing that stands out to me by far away about Ringo is that he needs more time. 
period to develop. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and, and and I mean honestly, develop physically. He's a true freshman. He's six foot two, so he's listed on the depth chart here as an inch taller than Sanders, but weighs thirty pounds less than him. And we all know these are college football players. It's not like they got an ounce of fat on him, anyways. This guy needs to. He just looks tiny comparatively, and I. Listen, Bryce Young with Alabama is an anomaly as far as height and size go. Kyler Murray is too when he was playing college football. This dude just, if he's already been banged up enough where we had Gundy start the last home game against Iowa State, then to me at least, go get the transfer, see how he is in camp. Maybe Rangel still beats him out. Rangel was a four-star guy who had offers from Utah, you know, and some other schools that maybe big names to mention, maybe not, but ACC teams in Virginia, you know, I mean, big, you know, big 12 teams, you know, Grand Oklahoma State, of course, and then the Pac-12 offering him. He's not bad. He probably has great potential or good potential. We'll see. But a true freshman who is just getting knocked around. I mean, he got sacked for, I think, eight times, lost 25 yards. It's bizarre he had to throw the ball that much. He wasn't put in a too favorable position, I would say. So, yeah, get a transfer in, see how he does. That'd be the hope. I just don't think it happens, honestly. I think it's, all right, let's see how Ringo does next year, and then hopefully we can get another quarterback recruit in so that by the time we figure out if Ringo is good or not next year, we can basically see how he's doing. But this speaks to more of the fact that Sanders has played for OSU for forever. I mean, this was his fifth year, right? He's mm-hmm. just been with OSU for forever. So now all of a sudden we're into a situation of, Crap, our last quarterback before him was Cornelius for a year, and before then it was Mason Rudolph, which seems like a century ago at this point. So we're not set up that well to have a, a plan for after Sanders leaves, and honestly, we should be. I mean, that that's that's on the football program. There should be a better plan than that of action if Sanders leaves, and it shouldn't have been, oh, we hope Shane Illingworth will stick around for another year of being a backup. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. not many guys are going to do that anyways who have that guy's kind of size and mobility, we knew Williams was going to get offers to leave, and it looks like he left for Nevada and hasn't been doing great there, so it's not like we missed on a guy, but still. Yeah, I... That That's... I, I think that's probably what we do. Just, you know, it's almost predictable at this point, but... <laughs> yeah. We do have a quarterback commit for next year, uh, Zane Flores, who I, I don't know much about him, to be honest. Um, he's a three-star guy, nationally ranked. He's ranked 458th, but in his own state, coming out of Nebraska, he's the second-ranked player. I mean, he's he's the 26th best quarterback ranking overall. So He was in the Elite 11, for what it's worth. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. How much else you can do from that? But he is the highest ranked recruit we have coming in next year, so take it. I I'm trying to provide more of a hope <laughs> reason because I know we're all going to watch the games next year, anyways, right? Like, yeah, it's not like I'm sitting here going, man. If they don't do, then no, I'm going to tune in every Saturday and see how we're doing. Like, we're going to be doing podcast a year from now, doing just like this, either talking about the same deal with a man. I wish we were better in these couple spots, or or. Being impressed that we did make a couple offseason moves that we didn't see coming, right? Yeah. So let's say stuff does get shaken up. 
let's say Casey leaves. Let's say um, Mason leaves. I I would probably guess that one of the two is going to go somewhere, just in general. What are our options after that, Dakota? Like, what what would you say our options after that are? Like to replace them? Yeah, well, replacement, I mean, are we just pulling from within? I mean, you know, people say that, for example, people want the line coach gone or whatever. You know, like all, all of that stuff. Like what, where do we turn to? Is it just another go get a guy from Princeton and Shippensburg or? I think no matter who's the, the offensive coordinator for me leaving Oklahoma State means absolutely nothing because it's going to be another stand in that runs the same stuff. Just like you mentioned earlier about the fourth and short chunking it deep and you're like, Oh, it's been the OSU playbook for 10 years. Yeah, it all has. It's the same thing. It doesn't matter what it is, who we bring in. It doesn't make a difference whether Dunn's here, Dunn's gone. It doesn't matter who's there. It's going to be the same thing. Um, I am worried because I have faith in Derek Mason. I didn't think, Defense, yes, there's some miscommunication, uh, but you compare it to the beginning of the year to like, yes, I know it's rainy. West Virginia is not very good, but like, I didn't worry too much about the defense. I mean, you have a 28 points against OU, but they shut them out. It's not, we had a bad defense. Um, I'm just afraid, though, if Derek Mason says, all right, I got to go somewhere else and he leaves. Uh, that we do end up with another type of well, and he's like, well, now we just have inconsistency. I get a guy for a year and they leave to somewhere better. Um, I might as well get a defense coordinator from, um, like you said, Princeton or wherever it might be that we don't know of. And we're back to having no defense and hoping that we can score 50 points a game with the same offense like we were um, four or five years ago, which worked when we had a Mason Rudolph and James Washington. Uh, but I can't think we can all agree probably where, yes, last year was great. We win Bedlam. We're half a yard away from a, a Big 12 championship and a playoff. Uh, but without Jim Knowles and the defensive playmakers that OSU had, they're probably, what, six and six, seven and five, just like they were this year. I think this year would be a lot like last year had we not had the defense coordinator. I think that's totally fair. We 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 should be better next year, I would think. But without Spencer coming back, it seems. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to spoil it, but I I think it seems like he's he's gone for sure. And then with a new quarterback and basically offensive line issues that are perennial at this point, and. I mean, a wide receiver groom that I don't know necessarily who's like the best guy overall. I, I know, I know we have guys, but like John Paul Richardson, he'll be a junior next year. Kate Cabanis, like I feel like I didn't hear that guy's name at all this year, which is fine because Jaden Bray will be back next year. He's going to be a senior, so I think he'll be back next year. Bryson Green was amazing, and then Brayden Johnson, who's a redshirt senior, he's gone. But we're like we're not graduating that many guys off of the wide receiver group right so yeah you know i mean at, at 
at left tackle, left guard, center, or right tackle, we're we're fine. Right guard Hunter Woodard's a Richard Senior, so he's he's gone. But Eli Russ comes in behind him. I, I feel like we could be okay next year, is what I'm getting at, it, unless we have a just a mass amount of guys transfer. But okay means probably finishing about the same as we did this year, which I gotta say is just a huge disappointment comparatively to how we did last year. When I think all three of us went into this year going. Big 12 title? Big 12 title? Maybe. And all of a sudden, we're looking at it going, okay, we were four and five in the conference. And four, you know, five of those losses came to teams that are worse than us in the Big 12 rankings KU, OU, and West Virginia. So that sucks to say out loud, right? Like, I mean. So. This is one of my questions, and I've been curious about this for the last couple of years. Why, you know, we, we talked about, uh, I don't remember, was it Carson Cunningham that, no, it wasn't Carson, but whoever tweeted out that graph about how our yards per play and yards per game has gone down every year since Urisich. So every, every single year, it just kept going down and down and down. And... I kind of attribute that to attempting to be a little more run heavy and not run heavy, not like a Michigan or Wisconsin or anything like that, but just where we're running the ball more, even when we can't run. I mean, is there a reason as to why we've gone away from the air raid and back towards running the ball? Because it, it seems like us in pro football kind of just flip-flopped. Where no one's really, I mean, people still spread it out, but it's like, you know, people in pro football, they're throwing it every single time and they're putting running backs in the backfield and, you know, they're doing all of these different creative things. And I'm like, we should be doing this in college because it should be easier. Right? Like, shouldn't, shouldn't Brendan Presley be in the backfield for a play and just see what they do? To go to LA and take that one because I don't really have an answer. Uh, yeah, I mean, because you think, well, Michigan's successful, right? Wisconsin, by its standards, usually competing for a Big 12 championship um, in some, not this year, but usually. Yeah. And so I guess, yes, if the running thing was working and you have a good defense, yes, yeah, stick with it, right? If that's how yeah. you're. Um, but that's how we're losing games, right? So that's your bread and butter is the only thing that OSU can hang its hat on is a good passing game. You're always going to have a lot of talent receiver, and you're usually going to have a pretty solid quarterback. Like that that's what OSU is for. That's the only thing. They don't think, oh, they have a great defense. They have a great running back. No. Um, yes, they put talent in the NFL uh, at running back. This will determine how deep they are at receiver the talent they usually have at quarterback, um, so rely on that, right? Dance with the girl took you there. Um, I mean, throw the ball. Like that's what your your talent is. If you're not ever going to have a good defense, we got lucky last year with the good defense, and it all like it was weird watching a team. Like we almost didn't know how to like. I don't know if you guys remember like the first five or six games because we weren't scoring as many points, but we were shutting out. But we weren't used to this kind of 
football. Um, there's a reason we were like that as a I think if he wants to talk about the only thing going for him is consistency, well, that's what you're consistent. You've known you're an offensive guy. Um, you can't randomly all of a sudden say, like, well, now we're going to be all pound the ball, have a good defense. Um, and maybe that's what he is. He's like, I'm going to keep getting these well-known defensive coordinators that can do their job. And we're going to slowly transition to this. Um, and we're going to be rough the next few years. I don't know what his plan would be that. That doesn't seem like something he would want or know much about. But, um, no, I agree. I, I feel like and you think about it was a lot more back in the day when they were a lot better when like 11 it was um, more creative. But you also have a guy – um, this is the same guy that had someone like Tyree Kill on his team and nor get much production out of Tyree Kill as well. So Brendan Presley, either Presley, whatever, either of the Presley boys you can do more with. Um, but again, a team that had Tyree Kill on it also went, I guess it's just a non-creative offense. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's really been my just conundrum because I I consider myself an offensive guy, quote unquote. I, I know more about it than I do defense in it. I I just see a lot of the stuff that we do and it doesn't make a lot of sense. It just seems very vanilla. And again, and I don't like we said, I don't know if that's the Oklahoma State playbook. I don't know. I mean we know it's the Oklahoma State playbook. But I don't know if Casey Dunn has full range of that playbook. I don't know if we hide stuff or, you know, because it it seemed like even with Mason, we started to not throw the ball as much when he was the guy that we probably should have thrown the ball more. And we we had good running backs, and that's fine. But it just seems like over the years, less and less, you know, and it – Again, we, we can all loop this back to the transparency issue that we have where, you know, we brought this up. We brought this up on our last podcast. We brought it up on our last podcast with Dakota where it's just we just want transparency. If if Mike Gundy says, I want to play to the skill set of the players that we have on the roster. I'm aware that Spencer Sanders probably isn't best throwing the ball 50 times a game. I'm aware of that. And that's okay. But we're we're able to read between the lines a little bit. If you say, hey, you know, we think we have some really good running backs this year and our quarterback feels really comfortable, you know, with our short passing game or whatever, you know, whatever. I don't know. But – there's plenty of coaches that do that and say stuff like that where it just, you know, it makes more sense. You're allowed to adapt. You're allowed to develop. You're allowed to create new and different things. But when nobody has any idea what's going on, like it seemed like this year, like it has seemed like on offense for the last couple of years, then I think that's where you get, you know, not just people like us, but a lot of people asking a lot of questions about really what is going on offensively. And that's why I, that's why it's hard for me to simply blame Dunn because the offense has progressively gotten worse. 
even before he was there, the offense was getting worse. Right? Like, that's that's something we can all agree on. That's something that statistics show. And it's not just a case of defense is getting better. Defense is figuring out how to stop us. We have the guys. We've always said that. We have the receivers. We have the running backs. And we usually have the quarterback to be able to do so. So why, why are, I mean, for lack of a better word, why are we getting more conservative? Well, this year we are the ninth best team running the football average yards per game. Right. We tried to run the ball 450 times and Kansas is the only team with more yards per game and a considerable more yards per game with less rushing attempts than us. They averaged about 193 a game. I don't know if that shines a light into it, answers any questions, but that's if you're not going to run the ball, you're not going to run the ball. Right. I mean, the offensive line has been shifted around as many times as you want to say and. Preston Wilson in now the lineup, and you kind of know when he's in, awesome. When he's not, eh, may not be the best at rushing the football or really have the most time to throw for any of our guys. But the biggest deal would be is all, all of us would want to see the ball being ran more often if the other option is having a redshirt freshman in Gundy, and I mean the Gunner Gundy, or a true freshman in Garrett Rangel starting for us. We'd want to see. All right, let's run the ball more. Let's let's run the ball more. And in fact, we ran it for the exact amount of times that we threw it this past Saturday. Ran it 42 times as well. Had 84 plays in the game. So one would hope we would run the ball more often. But if we're not doing well, I think that's the answer, right? Like our yardage total on the season for rushing yards is I mean, second to last, that's how averages work out, right? But we averaged 3.5 yards a rush each time at 20 rushing TDs on the season. That's that's not great at all, especially when your quarterback, <laughs> one of the good things that he's really good at doing is running the football. And this right. is all over 12 games. This includes the Arkansas Pine Bluff 63-7 to game. All right, this includes the 58 points we scored in Central Michigan. It includes the 34 points we scored, which at the time I didn't think was a crazy amount of points, but over the race, past recent weeks, I think it is. But it includes all those stats, right? So passing-wise, okay, are we good there? Because we're like halfway decent in the conference and passing the ball, right? And yeah, we're second best your average yards per game in passing, passing yards this season. Now, offense efficiency-wise, we're dead last in the Big 12. We're dead last. So, passing efficiency-wise. So, it's it's a double-edged sword there. We're second yards per game, but we're dead last in efficiency. There's stats that'll show whatever we want to see either way, but we're also, we're also dead last in the amount of yards per game allowed from passing football. I think there's some anomalies there. The K-State game, for example. Like, I'm not going to yeah. bring up, like, the points for and points against, necessarily, because ours is bad. There are... I think I think KU is worse than us, and I forget who else. Ours is bad, but we did lose forty-eight to zero to one team, so that's going to not be great for yeah. the stats here, too. Yeah. Point being, <laughs> well, I mean, point being, unless you disagree, like, would you keep running the ball if it's just not working? Because that's kind of what I'm thinking here. If would you keep running the ball if it's just not working? No, absolutely. I I do what works, and it doesn't. I mean, I know people are going to be like, "Well, yeah, no duh, Jake, yeah." 
obviously you do what works and we haven't. I think that's the thing. We haven't done what works. And I I think that's that's where my frustration comes in because I'm like, well, everyone can, you know, it's sit there to say, oh, well, yeah, you should do this. You should do this. Well, we're not doing any of those things. It's not like, oh, we're just not doing some of it. You know, we don't have a line, right? We know this. And this is one of the things that gets me whenever people complain about screens. They're like, well, why are we running so many screens? I'm like, well, we can't block. So that's why we run screens. I don't, you know, that that's literally the reason people run screens. Um, you know, there, there's stuff like that. Why don't we have short passes? Why don't we get the ball out faster? Why are we taking three-step drops and just launching it? I mean, again, I've said this for years. Why don't we run crossing routes? Why? Why don't we run shallow crossing routes? It's fourth and three, and you have Brennan Presley and John Paul Richardson on the field. Literally just do this. Just cross them. Line them up on either side and say, Presley, you go five yards. Richardson, you go three. That's it. I And we still don't do it. No matter who the OC is, we don't do it. We didn't do it with Yurisich. We don't do it with Gleason because I said it when we had Jalen McCleskey, and we ended up making that dude transfer. Because we didn't throw him the well, balls last year. Well, I, I, I've answered that question, and then I have a couple questions for Dakota before we wrap up here. But we didn't, we didn't do crossing routes because they were trying to make sure we didn't do crossing routes. They were lining up all their quarters on the inside part of the field, trying to push our true freshman quarterback to throw the ball the outside. Like I, I was curious after the game, right? So I was like, all right, like what? Why can't we do what you would think be easy? Get passes over the middle of the field. Easier first downs, easier for the true freshman quarterback to read, et cetera, right? Short routes, et cetera. We're running all these screens. You would think from the same idea, let's do that instead. But all of West Virginia's corners were basically trying to stop that one thing from happening. All of them were lined up on the inner hashes, trying to make Rangel throw a longer pass towards the outside and make it. I mean, probably a lot of corners are going to line up like that anyways, especially when you have a, a freshman quarterback. But you're definitely going to yeah. line up like that when the weather conditions were what they were, right? Like, that's right. just – that's just, And that's just – that's a suggestion. I'm not directly I, talking about the West Virginia game, but as a whole, you know, like you said, okay, and we talked about this on Twitter. If the corners are going to line up on the inside and they're eight yards off the ball, literally just snap it and throw it to them. You will get four yards. And we've seen teams do that to us pretty frequently. OU did that to us through 28 points on their first four drives. Where they're like, hey, watch this. And I don't I don't feel like there's enough of that. Like, we're not... It's what they say about Ohio State quarterbacks whenever they go to the NFL that they can't read. Because everything is, everything is one read for them. And I feel like we do a little bit of that too. We've gotten bailed out. We've Our quarterbacks have made look much better because of our wide receiver play. I think we can all agree on that. Because if, if, if Mason Rudolph didn't have James Washington, he's still good, but he's not, competing, he's not completing all those deep balls that he threw down the field with, with as much ease as he did. So, which is why, you know, 
we're seeing receivers get taken in the first round now. Like, you know, you have five receivers in the first 15 picks. And well, everyone wants the next Jamar Chase, too, and does right. Jefferson, et cetera, right? Yeah. Yeah. Devontae Smith. I mean, you know, there, there's guys all over the league that that are able to make quarterbacks look better than they are, basically. And and we have those guys, so I guess, like you said, that's my confusion. Why, why are we not developing that offense when we clearly could? Yeah, you would hope that the passing game will get better for next year because those guys will be more developed and will be older, right? Only one receiver's graduating. That seems like a blessing in disguise, right? We have, yeah. it seems like all the great receivers we have every year graduate, and then we don't know who it's going to be, except for a couple stuff here and there with Washington and, I mean, of course, Dez and Blackman, et cetera. Dakota, the question I have for you, though, is somebody who's interviewed multiple coaches, players, et cetera, after games, we got a good quote out of Dunn this past weekend, at least quotes that were circulating around. What is the access for actually done to speak to the media, Mason, you know, Derek Mason speak to the media, players speak to the media. I know freshmen, or at least true freshmen, can't speak to the media after games. Their, their first year, it's like a Gundy rule. But the rest of the guys, it's almost like, all right, why, why have we not heard more from Dunn this year? And maybe he has been interviewed after every game, and I just haven't looked for it. But um, what is what is that access like for us to actually talk to Dunn, you know, as fans hear from him, at least from reporters ask? Unless it's changed, we got to talk to them twice a week. So after every game and then um, pregame, like before the game was at the Tuesday. We talked with media Monday, Tuesday's players and offensive or and coordinators. Not much help, to be quite frank. Um, Mike Yersich was the worst of that because you ask them, say, hey, how did Mason Rudolph do tonight? And this was Saturday night. They'd be like, well, um, I have to look at film first. I'm not going to. So then you talk to him again Tuesday. So I asked you about Mason Rudolph on Tuesday or whatever. How do you think he played on Tuesday? He'd be like, well, um, we're past last week. We're only looking forward to next to this upcoming game now. And you're just like, oh. So uh, Mike Yersich, even though we talked to him twice a week, it was probably a handful of times I used a Mike Yersich quote just because I had to. Um, Glenn Spencer was a pretty good quote. Um, so, and he was easy <laughs> to talk to. So, obviously, um, but I mean, they could be in the screen to himself. He's not going to give you some crazy from uh, him. So, even though you can talk to him, there's just not much coming from him. Um, Glenn Spencer was probably the only coordinator I really like took time to go talk to you because he'd be sitting there with his glass of sweet tea, um, just ready to talk what he wanted to. Um, and he was always a good quote. Um, but no, it could just be, I mean, I, I those guys were talking to Casey Dunn. Gotcha. Yeah. I, the Dunn quote from this weekend, at least about how he 
doesn't have any answers after games, more or less, right, for, for, for the players on why the offensive stuff isn't working out is one that I've seen take seven different ways. One, oh, he doesn't have true control over the playbook. Two, he does. He's trying his best, but still doesn't have an answer. Or three, he's done. He's kind of like doing the, you know, whatever the, the meme thing is of like quite quitting, you know, he's not working hard enough. So he can kind of be told to ask to leave or quit on his own terms. I don't know how to take that quote. It just seems like we haven't gotten a bunch of great quotes from Dunn, or at least quotes, period. So I was curious on that standpoint, because once once you see one and start sticking around, it's like, well, wait, hang on a second. This guy can clearly speak English and talk to the media. So <laughs> where I haven't heard from him earlier on this season, which we probably have, and I just haven't paid close enough attention. So that's one of the things. Well, do we want to give a prediction here on which bowl game we think we're going to go to? In the day, TCU and K State still have to play, which, if K State beats TCU, that changes everything as far as bowl predictions go for, I think, basically the entire cultural playoff system. Um, but besides that, do you guys want to give some projections on where we think Oklahoma State will play or even who? Jake, you want to go first? Yeah, I. So I think we're going to play Texas A&M. Um, obviously, that's a joke because they're not bowl eligible. Um, I Now, I hope we play in Phoenix. So that way, Calvin and I could try and go. Um, but I don't know if that's... I From what I've seen, they're probably playing in, you know, people have projected that heart of Texas bowler whatever i think we got beat out by the cheese it bowl because tech because texas tech's now ahead of us um so yeah i mean to be honest i don't care i don't care if it's not in phoenix if it's not accessible for me to go then um i'm not you know not really bothered but Oh, Hugh Freeze just took the Auburn job. Sorry, breaking news. Um, yeah. Um, no, I'm... From what I've seen, projection-wise, it's the heart of Texas, I think, the one in Houston. Um, or, I don't know, is it the Camping World Bowl or the one in Orlando? I don't know. I can't keep up with all of them anymore. But, yeah, it's it's one of those two. And we'll probably play some Big Ten team or ACC team that isn't very good either. I'm out of internet issues. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. All right. From what I saw this morning, um, it looked like the Texas Bowl against whatever mediocre eight and four team we get to clash with. Uh, um, I'm kind of in the same first responders bowl, um, which will be too from there, so that might be a trip we could have made. But I also don't know how to take in the time at SMU Stadium to watch a football game. I don't know if I sound. I think it was like a I think 
group of five team that gets into play in that bowl game. Um, the Cheez It Bowl is fun just because of the commercials, and and I'd always end up sad that it's not the Cheez It Bowl again. Um, but it sounds like we have a mini vacation coming after Christmas, so it sounds like I might not watch whatever bowl game they play in. And I don't know if I'm going to because um, who knows if it's Garrett or Sanders. Who knows who announces our transferring before then. And not only are we getting this local state football team with lots of injuries, we're getting guys who are like, deuces, I'm just not going to. Yeah, I I will agree with the the Cheez-It Bowl, uh, except for this time it's going to be the Cheez-It Bowl that's in Orlando because now there's two Cheez-It Bowls from my understanding. Um, there's one in there's one in Glendale or Phoenix, and there's also one in Orlando, which used to be the Camper World Bowl or something like that. But either way, a Cheez-It Bowl, one of the two Cheez-It Bowls, and I think we'll face North Carolina. I would love to see us face North Carolina. We've never played them before in football. That would be at least kind of more interesting. Although I wouldn't project us to win the game. I think North Carolina is probably pretty solid. And let's say it's in the day, like we're getting to the Cheez-It Bowl by Spencer Sanders playing quarterback for us. So if he doesn't play in the bowl game, it may not be as fun to watch. Just just thought. Um, with all being said here, Jake and Dakota, thanks so much for joining here. The latest episode of the CJ Tour podcast. Please follow the CGA Tour on Twitter and Instagram for more, and we'll catch you guys again soon.